Hello, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm so glad that you're here for the second episode of Morgan's podcast. Tune in to hear the rest. I've learned a lot since the last time that I've spoken to y'all. It's been a couple weeks, so I am here right now to tell you about everything that I've been learning. First, I'm going to talk about legal issues. Well, we read a whole student handout about legal issues, and I'm going to talk to you about some of the things that we learned in it. Like all businesses, sport leagues, and franchises are trying to make money. In the United States, businesses compete with each other in a system called capitalism. Capitalism depends on honest, healthy competition in the marketplace. The federal state governments have made laws to prevent unfair or restricted competition. These particular areas of concern to sports-slash-event marketers are trademark infringement antitrust violations and rights of publicity and privacy. Next, I'm going to talk about risky business. Well, all sports and events carry a certain amount of risk for everyone involved. Sport and event organizations minimize risk by complying with all applicable national or national, state, and local laws regarding risk management. Two main areas involved with risk management are loss prevention and insurance. Loss prevention includes security and ticketing issues. One type of insurance important to sports and event marketers is prize indemnity insurance. Next, I'm going to talk about contracts. All sports and event marketers need a basic understanding of contract law. Although attorneys are usually necessary when drafting legal agreements, in professional sports, unions called players associations negotiate collective bargaining agreements with the league. When the two sides can't agree, strikes or lockouts can result. Other contracts involved with sports and events include sponsor contracts, television contracts, and venue slash personal contacts. Next, we learned about governing bodies. There are many types of governing bodies because each levels of skill within a sport needs needs to set different regulations. The main types of governing bodies are leagues, federations, and multi-sport event organizers. Um, Let's look at each in detail, shall we? Um, For the leagues, leagues um, are a group of sports teams or individual athletes that compete against each other in a specific sport. They create a common set of rules and organize competitions. They usually work with the national and or international federations. For federations, those are responsible for one sport or sometimes a group of similar sport disciplines. They also help with the promotion of the sport. They can be national or international. National federations are responsible for a country's participation in the Olympics. For multi-sport event organizers, they are responsible for the organization of a certain event which contains more than one sport. The best known example is the International Olympic Committee, the IOC. That is the organizer of the modern Olympics. Why should we have governing bodies? Without governing bodies, the sport industry would be a country under anarchy, in chaos. The governing bodies of each sport have several main goals. Maintain order and unity while allowing healthy competition. (laughs) They ensure the athlete's safety and they encourage good sportsmanship. They provide fair and consistent enforcement of rules and they maximize financial profits. Why? What do they do? Well, in order to fulfill these goals, the governing bodies perform many tasks. This includes promoting their sport to gain fans and to make more profits, organizing game schedules and tournament brackets, settle disputes and ensure that rules are followed fairly, and constantly eliminate, update, and add regulations to the sport. For rules and regulations, there are many types of regulations. There's gameplay rules, safety rules, 
eligibility, eligibility, oh my gosh, I cannot say that right now, rules, um, selection rules, and equipment rules. Um, if you want to know other information about the rules, I will tell you that right now. Because governing bodies do update and add rules so often, athletes may have a hard time keeping up with it all, so they must rely on their agents to do so. While the rules that are set by the governing bodies are not legally enforced by the government, they are enforced by the teams that participate in the league or federation. Governing bodies make sure that their rules comply with laws as well. Commissioner. In American leagues, if a rule is broken or if a player is in question about a rule, the leagues often turn into the commissioner. The exact powers of the commissioner depend on the constitution of the league, but the commissioner is usually the highest executive position. Commissioners are elected by the owners of the league's teams and handle matters such as discipline, arbitration of disputes between teams, and etc. I'm now going to talk to you about the need for a sport slash event insurance. Insurance defined. Uh, Insurance is a contractual agreement in which one company, the insurer, will pay for for specified losses incurred by the other company, the insured, in return for installment payments, which are called premiums. Sports slash event organizers reduce their risk of financial losses by purchasing various forms of insurance. Comprehensive general liability coverage. One of the most widely used types of insurance. This type of insurance covers basic liabilities to other parties for bodily injury or property damage caused by the insured. Cross liability coverage. Cross liability insurance happens when someone who is insured files a claim against another insured person who has the same policy. This plan covers the insured who had been hit by the claim in the same way as if they had belonged to the separate policies. Even so, cross liability insurance does not increase the insurance company's limit of liability. Rider. A rider's provision of insurance policy that is purchased separately from the basic policy that provides additional benefits at additional cost. Standard policies usually leave little room for modification or customization. Beyond choosing deductibles, the coverage amounts. Riders help policyholders create insurance products that meet their specific needs. There are a lot of other types of insurance, and I will give you the names of some of them right now. Um like prize indemnity, indemnity, um, the umbrella policy, sport accident insurance, event insurance. And now I'm going to go into describing the use of cancellation insurance. Event organizers purchase cancellation insurance to cover losses resulting from possible catastrophic conditions. For example, if a large event is canceled due to the acts of terrorism and is not rescheduled, The insurance often covers spectator tickets, refunds, and vendor payments, like concessions or food, that the the event organizers owe. Various forms of cancellation insurance cover financial losses due to weather. For example, tornadoes and threats of terrorism. (laughs) Cancellation insurance often includes options that cover the costs associated with refunding money to ticket purchasers with effects and event sales. I'm now going to talk about the keys to successful marketing. And the collection process. The collection process includes intelligence generation, which is monitoring the external environment, collecting data, and coordinating the collected data. There is intellig- intelligence dissemination, <laughs> which is sharing the data gathered, and responsiveness, which is analyzing the data, detecting and anticipating customer demand, and utilizing the information to develop effective marketing strategies. For information, information gathered from others can be reported in final reports, journal articles, or oral presentations. Determining types of data. 
Marketers can only use one of three different research designs, or some combination of the three, to collect marketing data. The research design chosen for the study should stem directly from the questions which need to be answered and how much time, money, and resources are available for the study. For research designs, um, there is exploratory research, which is used when the problem is not well-defined, and it answers questions such as, why are ticket sales down? There's descriptive research, which often is used to determine characteristics of the target market, which answers who, what, where, when, and how often questions. And casual research explores the relationship between two variables. It answers questions such as, does increased advertising result in more ticket sales? Next, we'll go into collecting information. This is marketing information that can be collected in various ways. There's primary research, which may include surveys that can be mailed, posted on the internet, conducted on the phone, or carried out in person by intercepting people at sporting events. And then there's secondary research, which is obtaining and using data collected for another reason. Examining the content of written materials, for example, financial statements, ticket sale numbers, newspaper articles, and etc. And for the final discussion of today, I'm going to talk to you about the types of sponsorship objectives. Well, you see, direct sponsorship objectives have a short-term impact on consumer behavior and are focused on increasing sales. Indirect sponsorship objectives lead to the long-term growth of sponsor by generating product awareness and image before people buy the product. Corporation sponsorships. These establish or improve their image. They promote their products and increase sales. They display goodwill. They obtain access and exposure to the event's target markets, and they outpace competition. They become a sponsor before your competitor blocks your competition out, essentially. You might be wondering, how do sponsorships help the sports marketer? Well, sponsorships give to the sports marketer the resources to package their product, promote their product, and deliver their product. Next, I'm going to be talking about methods to evaluate the effectiveness of sponsorship. There's media exposure, which is evaluating the numbers of stories and mentions in the media. There's sale figures pre and post event, surveys and depth interviews, and or surveys and in-depth interviews, which goes into more detail of the image, attitudes, and awareness of the events, sponsors, and the products. Next, I'm going to go into potential sponsors. Potential sponsors must ask these certain questions that I'm about to read. So you might be wondering, how can a particular sport event achieve my marketing organizational goals? Well, you have to think about what is the financial cost of the sponsorship? What is the length of the contract? What are the sponsorship benefits? And what type of media will there be? You might also have to think about what is the fan attendance at the event? And what are the fans' demographics? Is it in my target market? Those are all all very key questions that you have to keep in mind. Next, and... Finally, I'm going to talk about a quote-unquote buying center. This consists of employees responsible for evaluating and selecting sponsorship options. Four roles in this buying center consists of gatekeepers, influencers, decision makers, and purchasers. A gatekeeper controls the flow of information to others to act as a filtering device. Influencers have input into the decision, usually based on connections with the sports and edited entity entity (laughs) decision makers ultimately responsible for accepting and rejecting proposals and purchaser and purchasers are responsible for negotiating contracts and carrying out the terms of the sponsorship once the decision is made well it looks like it is the end of our time in this podcast today 
Thank you so much for coming back to my episode two of Morgan's podcast. And make sure to tune in in the next two weeks to hear what else I have to say. Thank you so much, and I hope that you hear from me soon.